God, may we be obedient to you now as we look at what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <laughs> they fixed some air conditioning. Have you noticed it got cooler? Praise Jesus, right? It's all good. I, you know, it is what it is. We've been in a series uh, about Joseph, in case you didn't know that. Everybody's like, man, we've been in this series for like six weeks. Surely we know it by now. We call it an Extreme Makeover Home Edition because Jacob's house is getting an extreme makeover, right? We saw that how Joseph, he was loved by his father, hated by his brothers because he was loved by his father. His father loved him so much, he gave him a coat, said, you're my favorite. I want everybody to know it, so I'll give you a coat. His brothers they didn't like him so much, so they thought they thought they would kill him. Then they decided against that because they wouldn't make any money off of him. said, instead of killing him, let's just sell him into slavery. That'll be better for us. We can make a little money off of him. His brothers obviously were not very nice people. They were not very loving brothers. Uh, yes, his dad was loving and the fact that he loved him, but I think that there's uh, some issues there in the family because if you show favoritism like that, then that's saying something about how you feel about the other kids in the family, right? That's not very loving to show favoritism that way. So Jacob needs an extreme makeover. His house needs an extreme makeover. His, his, his sons need an extreme makeover. And God does that through this terrible thing that happens to Joseph by Joseph being thrown into like this big cistern thing, which is like where they store water and, and eventually get pulled out of there, sold into slavery. And, and he even gets accused of something he didn't do with Potiphar's wife, thrown into jail, stays there for like 12 years, finally gets taken out of there, goes to Pharaoh, interprets a dream, gets put his second command while they go through this whole famine thing. I'm trying to catch you up here, so bear with me if you've heard this story like 10 times already. So then, finally, Joseph is having some, some good things happen to him, and things are going pretty good. Well, uh, the famine comes into the land after they've had seven good years. Now seven bad years is coming where there, there's like no food anywhere. And who needs food? Well, Jacob's family needs food, so where are they going to go? They're going to go to Egypt. And they go to Pharaoh to ask for food. Well, who do they end up being confronted with? It's Joseph. But they don't know it's Joseph. They think it's just some Egyptian guy that's just in charge for Pharaoh, just taking care of things. It turns out it's Joseph, and he knows everything they're saying to one another. It's his brothers. And I can imagine that, that and we see this in Scripture. We see how Joseph, once he sees his brothers, man, he, he's broken. He, he, he's upset. I mean, he'll, like, he'll confront them about something, and, and he's in this process of testing them is what's going on, where we find ourselves in 43 and 44. He's putting them through some tests, and, and, and we're going to get to why he's doing that in just a second. But, but he's confronting them, and then he goes off into another room, and he'll cry for a few minutes. And then he'll clean himself back up, and he'll come back out and present himself as a second-in-command again and, and be all, you know, princely or whatever you want to call it, and, and he's, he's all good now, and... They still don't know like, who this guy is and, and what's going on, but he, he loves his brothers. You can see that by the fact that he's upset when he sees them. And he keeps asking about his dad. He's like, do you have a father? Like he doesn't know who the dad is. And he's like, do you have a father? Yeah, we do. He's back home. He's back home with our younger brother. And he's like, well, bring the younger brother back to me, and then I'll know that you're very committed, guys. You're not just lying to me and all this kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, I'll keep one of you guys here till you bring the younger brother back. Now, one of the things about the younger brother, his name's Benjamin. He shares the same mother as Joseph, so he's really close to him. They're really tight, right? And he just wants to see his younger brother. He, he misses his brothers. He, he misses his dad. And, and, and think about this. Think about this. It would be so easy for Joseph to just say, 
hey guys, it's all good, man. Like, I love you and I am your brother and I just want to let the cat out of the bag and, and everything's forgiven and I just want to have a relationship with you guys again and I'm so thankful that you're here and all of that. And, and I think that, that in Joseph's heart, that's probably his desire to do that. I think that's really what he would like to do. You can see the evidence of that by the fact that he's upset when he sees his brothers. He's heartbroken about it. Now, his brothers treated him harshly. They sold him into slavery. They wanted to kill him. I don't know that I'd be fired up about seeing my brother if he did that to me. You know, I'd be like, hey, bro, it's good to see you, I think, you know. <laughs> but, but, but Joseph is showing them grace. He gives them food, sends them back, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I think deep down in his, his heart, he probably would like to just reconcile with them immediately and, and say, all is forgiven. I love you guys, and I want you to know it's me. But... He doesn't do that. And I think what we see as evidence in Scripture, the reason he doesn't do that, why would he do that? Why, why would Joseph not just say, it's all forgiven, we're, we're all big family again, it's okay? Why would he not do that? Because Joseph is a man, we see this over and over again through these passages, he's a man who's obedient to God. He, he's a, a man that's obedient to what God would have, not so much what he would have. Even when it comes to the process of reconciliation with his brothers and making things right, he's trying to let them do one, one thing to begin with, which is repent of the fact that they threw Joseph into a well and then sold him into slavery. And we saw that happen last week. We saw them, and they're just, they, they, they go into prison because, like, Joseph has, has set up some tests for them, and they go into prison. They're like, man, this has happened because of what we did to Joseph. The, the reason we're, we're suffering some of these trials right now is because of what we did to Joseph. And they, they, they begin to openly confess what they had done and how it was wrong. And God's using this to transform this family. God is using this series that we've been going through to transform some families. And here, by the way, I know of specific examples, and I, I don't talk about specifics, but I know of some examples where, 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 where families have got some stuff that they hadn't dealt with in quite a while, and some stuff is coming out, and they're, God's dealing with them, and they're having to force to reconcile some relationships. You're like, man, he must be talking about me. That's what so many people in here are saying. God, God's bringing some stuff to mind, like I hadn't dealt with this. I know God's trying to use me. I know that God's trying to deal with me, and, and I want God to use me to my, to my fullest capacity. And God's going, before I can use you completely, before I can use you to your, your fullest, you've you, you got to deal with some stuff in your past. You've got to deal with some broken relationships. You've got to deal with some, some things that, that you've been trying to put to the background for a while. And we even saw Joseph trying to do this. Once, once he has a couple of kids... He becomes second in command to Pharaoh, and he has a couple of kids, and he's like, man, things are good. I'm so glad that God has kind of put all that stuff in my family behind me. And sure enough, what's the next thing that we read in Scripture? The next thing is brothers come to his doorstep saying, hey, we need some food. We need some food. Some folks in here, uh, you came to Simple Church, and, and, and God's starting to move in your life, and, and God's starting to change some things and show you some things, and you're... You're like, man, God is good, and I'm getting close to Jesus, and I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been. Man, I just, I, this relationship is really real now, and, and things are going good, and they're like continuing to progress down the road, and then all of a sudden, you kind of hit this brick wall, and, and God goes, oh, wait just a second before you can take the next step. We got to go back and deal with some stuff you left behind. I don't want you to be afraid of that. I don't want you to be afraid of that happening, because I can tell you in my own life, 
The same thing has happened to me. I've had to stop right where I was in my progression going towards the path that God would lead me on. He just said, stop right here. Wait just a minute. Before you take another step, we got to deal with some stuff. And really, as painful as it may be, to go back and deal with some of that stuff in the past that God keeps bringing to your mind and bringing to your heart, once you have, have let it go because you've dealt with it, it becomes so much easier to take those next steps that you need to take as opposed to being weighed down by all that garbage you're just drinking, dragging along with you down the path saying, man, golly, this is tough, this is tough, this is tough. And God just said, well, let it go, let it go, let it go, you know, like a Disney movie. That's okay. You can laugh. You're like, man, that's a very serious moment. Should I be laughing? But sometimes you, you do, man. God's going to stop you right dead in your tracks before you can take that next step of obedience with him. And he's going to say, deal with this first, and then I'll be able to use you to even bring, bring me even more glory. You can't even see it right now. You can't even see what I'm doing, but I, I promise you, if you just trust me and you allow me to deal with this in your life, You'll be able to do some things and experience some things in your closeness and your relationship with me that you never even thought was possible. I, I speak from experience, folks. I'm telling you. I had to do it in my own life. So Joseph, in his obedience to God, I, you know, family, they have some strong ties. I, I'm just thinking about this. Families have some strong ties, right? You know, I was talking about how Joseph probably wanted to reconcile with his brothers and hug them and you know, kiss him on the cheek and say, man, I missed you guys. I love you guys. And, but in his obedience to God, he's trying to let them repent of some of the stuff they got going on and, and prove themselves as changed men. See if they're, they're really being spirit-led men now. Families have some strong ties. Even when people hurt you, right? Isn't that the case? Even when people hurt you, you you'll see kids being taken off into foster care when the parents beat them. I, I'm not talking about whipping them. Because you're supposed to whip your kids. That's biblical, by the way. But I'm talking about parents that, that beat their children. Beat their children. And when foster care or DHR comes to take them away from their parents, they just want to do everything they can to hang on, don't they? They'll, they'll do whatever it takes to, to stay with that parent. They'll, it'll like, I, I don't care. Even though it hurts, even though it's painful, even though it, I, it's a struggle. Every, I just, I just, because we're, we're made to want to be a family. God, God created us in such a way to desire those relationships. And that's why this is so important for us to be a family because there's some people that don't have any family they can trust, on, trust in or lean on and we have to be that family for them. That's why this is so important too. As a family of God, as Christ is the head, we're supposed to have that desire to lean on each other and depend on each other and be there for one another. And it's supposed to be so strong that, that like, it's inseparable. When people want to drag us away, we go, wait a second, that's my family. I can't leave them. Except, except when the head of the household, the head which is Christ, says it's time to go somewhere else. Come with me. And then you follow Jesus and Jesus alone. And maybe some of your family members will go with you. Maybe some of them won't, but you follow Jesus because he is the head of the church. We see uh, Joseph here in, in Genesis chapter 43. He's, he's, uh, he's brought his brothers in, and, and they thought they were in trouble. They, they thought that he was going to accuse them because he, he like gave them all the food that they asked for, and then he gave them their money back. He put the money in their packs, and they're freaking out. They're like, oh, no, you know, this is not going to be good for us, and, and they're, they're worried. And then he, they come back, and 
And he says, well, I'm going to have a feast for you all, and I'm going to bring you into the palace. What? What do you mean? Initially, they're even freaked out a little bit by it because they're like, um, I think he's just going to bring us to the palace so he can arrest us all and make us slaves, and we'll be slaves in this palace. That may be what's going on here. Turns out he has a feast for them. But, but, and he, he, puts them, he puts them in, at the table in order from, from youngest to oldest. I think that's pretty cool. They're all like, what is that? That's strange that this guy would actually happen, just so happen to put us all in order. But he did that. And then, and then Benjamin, he's with them, and he gives Benjamin five times as much as he gives the rest of them. And I told you last week, the reason he does that is to see. Are they going to be jealous of Benjamin just like they were jealous of Joseph because he was more blessed because he had more? Is, are they going to be jealous of him? Are they going to want to sell Benjamin into slavery just like they did Joseph? But we don't see that. We don't see that here. We don't see them having that jealous heart anymore. It's obvious that God is doing something in this family. It's obvious that God is working in their lives after they've repented and after they, they've been talking about this thing that they did to Joseph. And, and man, they're rec recognizing how, how, how vile and awful they were, and, and God's doing something there. So let's move on to chapter 44 in Genesis. And, and I, I know that like everybody's like, man, are we done talking about Joseph? I, God has convicted me that we're supposed to just keep going. We're not going to stop. We're not going to jump. We're just going to keep going. And I, you know, unless that changes. Now, God could change my mind on that tomorrow. And I, I don't know that for sure. But for now, I just feel like we're supposed to keep going. So this week, we're going to be in chapter 44 of Genesis. When his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these final instructions to the palace manager. Fill each, one, each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry and put each man, man's money back into the sack. Oh, no. Right? And they're like, we've been through this one time before. You're doing it to us again. But... And he said, then put my personal silver cup in the top of the youngest brother's sack along with the money for his grain. So the manager did as Joseph instructed him. The brothers were up at dawn and sent on their journey with their uh, loaded donkeys. But when they had gone only a short distance and were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his palace manager, chase after them and stop them. When you catch them, ask them, why, did you, why have you repaid my kindness with such evil? Why have you stolen my master's silver cup? which he uses to predict the future. Hang on just a second. You're like, whoa. <laughs> I know, right? You stumbled over that a little bit. He predicts the future. We'll get there. All right, hang on. What a wicked thing you have done. All right. So I got to stop with the wicked cup thing. We got to talk about that in just a second. But so what's going on here? Joseph says, okay, we're going to up the ante this time. Hey, man, go and... Uh, this time, instead of just putting their money back in their sacks, I want you to take one of my silver cups and put it in the youngest one's sack. Who's the youngest one? Benjamin, right? Joseph's brother by the same mother, right? And he's like, we're tight. That's, that's my boy. It, you know, let's see how they handle this now that Benjamin's going to be in trouble. Because this puts Benjamin in a bad spot. It looks like Benjamin stole something. Now, he didn't really steal anything, admittedly. But I believe that this is Joseph allowing God to use him in following obedience to God. And, and God's going to kind of reveal some stuff about them and about their hearts. And some of them are going to have to step up and be leaders. And that's what we're about to see. But what's with the, what's with the uh, see in the future thing? This is kind of an Egyptian thing where they would take, it was probably like a little bowl is probably what it was. It wasn't like a cup more than likely, but it's probably like a little bowl. And a lot of times that uh, they would use... Um, 
a bowl and they would fill it with water and they would put oil in it and stuff to like tell the future and stuff. This was very common in, in like Egyptian times and, and like these ancient times they would do this kind of stuff. Now, I, I don't believe that there's any indication in Scripture that Joseph ever did that. But this was kind of just an excuse like, you know, hey, this is a very important cup to him. It's not like this is just some cup. This is a very important cup. And I think that's what we're supposed to get out of that. What's the big deal with telling you? I think the idea is that, that he was wanting them to know, hey, you ain't just in a little bit of trouble. You in big, big trouble. You know what I mean? Like you ever had your mama tell you you're in big, big trouble? That's not good, is it? Big, big trouble is not good. It's big, big bad, right? And she calls you by your middle, middle name, doesn't she? Yeah. Got the full name going on, right? That's not, not good. You like, well, I repeat that. That's pretty funny. I need to keep doing that. What if I did that the whole sermon? Just, no, 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 About two of y'all would be left in here in about 10 minutes. Anyway, they just want to point out here that this is an important cup. That he uses this cup for what? This ain't just a drinking cup. This ain't a bowl that he eats his Cheerios out of. This is an important cup. He uses this bowl to tell the future with. And so that's where we find ourselves. They, they, he's like, the, the guy comes up to him, the manager of the palace, and he goes, hey, y'all took something. It's, it's in one of y'all's bags. I know that it is. When the palace manager caught up with the man, he spoke to them as he had been instructed. What are you talking about? The brothers responded. We're your servants. We'd never do such a thing. Not us, man. We would never do anything like that. I mean... We're not the kind of people who would sell anybody into slavery. We're not that kind of people, you know? I mean, we're, we're just not that way, right? He says, uh, didn't we return the money we found in our sacks the last time, right? So the last time we, we returned the money, we said, here, look, somebody put the money back in here, or we forgot to give it to you something, but the money, we brought it back this time. We, uh, we brought it back all the way from the land of Canaan. And why would we steal the, uh, the <laughs> sorry. Why would we steal silver or gold from the master's house? If you find this cup in any of us, let that man die. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This, this, the soap opera reached fever pitch now, right? Like, if you find that cup, then just kill the guy who's got it, right? And all the rest of us, my Lord, will be your slaves. So we're going to go into slavery. You kill the dude who has it. But I'm telling you, we ain't got it. This is foreshadowing a little bit here. Not good, okay? Not good. That's fair, the man replied, but only the, the one of you who stole the cup may be my slave. The rest of you may go free. A little bit of a test here, right? A little bit. I'd say there's some people grinning out there. You're getting it, right? You're getting what's going on here. He said, no, 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 no. What will happen is I'll just take the one that, that did it. I'll take him, and I, I, I'll, I'll let the rest of you go free. The rest of you be free to go. The question that's being asked here is, will they sell him out? He's the youngest brother. He just got five times the rest of them what they got when they sat down to eat at the palace. So, so the test here is, are they going to sell Benjamin out just like they sold Joseph out? Are they, they going to have something to gain this time by, by him losing out? How will they respond to it? It's not a bad test, is it? It's pretty good. God is really, really smart, Okay. And in Joseph, everybody's like, yeah, he is. You're right. God is smart. I've noticed that about him. He really is smart. We, we've got this saying here at Simple Church that's kind of funny. We go, God is so smart. 
He really is. He knows way more about what he's doing here than we do. So that's why we let him do what he's doing, and we try to stay out of the way as best we can. Like, because we know that we're all doofuses, and we don't really get it, but, like, we do our best to try to listen, right? That, that's all we can do. He, he's really smart. He knows what he's doing. We just listen to him. And sometimes he says the air is not going to work, and that's okay, too. That's his choice. We do our best to make the air work. If it doesn't work, that's okay. That's his choice. God is so smart. He says, the rest of you may go free. They all quickly took their sacks from their backs of their donkeys and opened them and placed the palace manager, um, searched the brother's sacks from the oldest to the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. So notice it was found in Benjamin's sack last because they were going from the oldest to the youngest. Benjamin, they're like, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's good. See, nobody has it. Nobody has Benjamin, what did you do? You know, they probably, they probably hit him in the head with their knuckles. You know, they probably, man, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? Thumped his ear, something. They did something. They were probably angry with him, right? When the brothers saw all this, they tore their clothing in despair. Then they loaded their donkeys again and returned to the city. Did you miss it? Did you miss it? Everybody was like, what? They tore their clothes and rode their donkeys. That's powerful, Kenny. That's, that's, that's some life-changing stuff there. Oh, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. Who tore their clothes when Joseph was lost, thought he was dead? The brothers knew he was in slavery. The dad thought he was dead. There's only two people that tore their clothes that time. The only two people that were in mourning. The only two people that were upset by that. Jacob, the father, and Reuben, the one who was going to try to go rescue him out of the, the cistern and, and, and like keep him from being sold into slavery, but he got there too late and all that kind of stuff. But there's only two people that, that were there that were upset about the fact that Joseph was gone. Now, Benjamin, the youngest brother, he's going to be taken into slavery and they're all upset about it. They're all upset. This is evidence of a changed heart. This is evidence that these men are different now than they were when Joseph got taken away from them. Now Benjamin's about to be taken away from them, and they are upset by it. This is not okay. And, and it, there's no evidence that, that, that Benjamin was even like, I didn't do it, man. I, it's just not, I didn't take it. They just stuffed it in there. I didn't, it didn't say that. It just says that they know that Benjamin's going away, and they are heartbroken. They're torn up about it. It's a desperate situation. Then what does it say? What does it say? It says, then they loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Who did? Just, just Benjamin? Benjamin going back to be sold into slavery? Benjamin going back to possibly die? No, they all went. They, together as a family, as a family unit said, we're together in this. We're stepping up now. It's not the same game as it was before, because before they'd have just said, ah, off with him. Let, him. let him go. This is the father's favorite, just, just like Joseph was. Now that Joseph is gone, Benjamin's a favorite now. Let him go. Take him. Take him off into slavery. At least we won't have to suffer punishment. It'll be at his expense, but that's okay with us. They didn't do that this time. They all go back. They all go back to the city. Joseph was still in the palace when Judah and his brothers arrived. 
It's important that Judah's kind of pointed out there. When Judah and his brothers arrived and they fell on the ground before him, what have you done, Joseph demanded? Don't you know a man like me can predict the future? Judah answered, Oh, my Lord, what can we say to you? How can we explain this? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. Did they steal the cup? What sins is he talking about? He's not talking about stealing a cup because they didn't steal the cup. He's talking about the sins that they committed in their lives. He's talking about the fact that they sold Joseph into slavery. He's not talking about some cup. The cup is not the big deal. He's talking about sins in his life. And God is using this to open his eyes and let him see. To let them all see what they've done and how wrong it is. He says, my Lord... We have all returned to be your slaves, all of us, not just our brother who had the cup in his sack. It's all of us now. It's all of us. My prayer and my hope is that, is that when one of us hurts in this place, that we all hurt. That we don't leave somebody hanging out to dry. We don't leave somebody outside saying, you know what, that's your own deal. It's your own problem. It's your own fault. We go and say, you know what? It didn't matter if he did it or not. Because he hurts, we hurt. And he's one of us, so we're going to be alongside him. Now, we may not necessarily condone what he did, but he's one of us. I was trying to look around to see if there's many kids in here. There's an old saying, forgive me for being a little bit crude here, but there's an old saying, she's a whore, but she's my mama. You ever heard that? What does that mean? I mean, she may have done some stuff wrong. She may be in the wrong. She not, may not be doing the stuff she needs to do, but she's my mama. She's with me. That's how we're supposed to be. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's how we're supposed to be bonded. You know what? They, they did wrong. They made a mistake. But they're with me. They're one of us. Now, now, we're going to deal with what they did, and that's our responsibility because they're our family. we got to deal with what they did, but they're one of us, and I want you to recognize that. This is how the church is supposed to be. This is how this family is supposed to be. And they all go back, and they say, we're all going to be your slaves. No, Joseph said. I would never do such a thing. Only the man who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go back to your father in peace. Giving him another chance. See, it really test him here. Then Judah stepped forward and said, Judah's going to be important, okay? Let me just tell you, I'm not going to give you the end of the story, but Judah's going to be important. You may have heard the name Judah before in the Bible. Judah's going to be important. Hang tight with us. Then Judah stepped forward and said, Please, my Lord, let your servant just say... One word to you, please do not be angry with me, even though you are as powerful as Pharaoh himself. My Lord, previously you asked us, your servants, do you have a father or a brother? We responded, yes, my Lord, we have a father who is an old man and the youngest child of his, old, uh, a father who is an old man and his youngest son is a child of his old age. His full brother is dead and he left and left and he alone is left of his mother's children, and, and his father loves him very much. And you said to us, bring him here so I can see him with my own eyes. But you said to me, Lord, the boy cannot leave his father, or for his father would die. But you told us, unless your youngest brother comes with you, you will never see my face again. 
So we returned to your servant, our father, and, and told him what you had said. Later, when he said, go back and buy us more food, we replied, we can't unless you let our youngest brother go back with, go with us. We'll never get to see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. And my father said to us, as you know, my wife had two sons, and one of them went away and never returned. Doubtless, he was torn to pieces by some wild animal. I have never seen him since. Now, if you take his brother away from me and any harm comes to him, you will send this grieving, white-haired man to his grave. And now, my Lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, our servants, will indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guarantee to you, my father, I guarantee to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? How can I bear to see the anguish this would cause my father? So Joseph's having a little interaction here with Judah. And Judah's like, see, our father, he, he loves Benjamin so much. He, he really cares about Benjamin. And what does Judah say? He says, let me sacrifice myself to be in his place. You take me. You don't take Benjamin. You take me. And he even points out the fact that Benjamin is the favorite to his father, but he's not full of selfish pride or, or conceit because, you know, he, he's not jealous of the fact that his brother is the favorite. He's, he's like sending him back to his father. You would think he'd want to be a done, done away with the one that was the favorite, but he does the opposite. He says, no, let me take his place. There's no jealousy within him. He steps forward and says, I don't know what the other brothers are going to do, but this is what I'm going to do. This is evidence of a leader. One who is not full of his own selfish pride or vain conceit, but considers all better than himself. Than himself. You recognize that this is what a Christian is supposed to be, right? You, you recognize that we're supposed to live so sacrificially that we have no, no selfish ambition within us, that we just lift everybody else up and we put ourselves in the position of a slave because that's what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us. He, he took on the position of a slave to be a slave for us. All who crucified him through our sins and our transgressions, we spit upon him, ripped the beard from his face. It's because of our sins that he was laid over a stump, and then his flesh ripped off his back. It was because of us. And what does he tell us to do? He says, he says you go, you be free. You experience real freedom. I'm not talking about freedom like we have here in the United States. I'm talking about real freedom, freedom from sin. Freedom, freedom that lasts for all of eternity. I'm talking about real freedom. He says, you go, you be free, and I'll stay here, and I'll take the punishment for you. Like a thief, I'll sit here and bear everything that you deserve. That's the picture of Jesus. That's what he did for all of us. And, and, and Jesus says, now, if you want to go and bring other people to experience this freedom, 
If you really want to ex- experience, for them to experience the freedom that you experience, you know what you have to do? You go be a slave for them. You go be a slave for them. You, you take up your cross and you follow me and you be like I was. You be like I was. Is that not so powerful? Is that not so overwhelming? We say we want to be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. That's what the word Christian means. Christ-like. You want to be like Christ, go be like Christ. Be a slave in the place of somebody else and say, look, I want you to experience freedom. I want you to walk free. I want you to experience what I experienced. So I'm going to take your place and I'm going to be over here. I'm going to do whatever it takes so you can experience this freedom. And what does that look like for us? How, how do we be a slave? Now, the good news for us is it's a lot easier than it was for Jesus Christ. We don't have to be laid over a stump and our flesh ripped off. But this is what you do have to do. That person at work that you don't want to talk to, that person at school that you don't really like so much, you have to be a slave for them. You have to overcome yourself, humble yourself before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do, even if that means I have to be a slave against everything that I desire, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell them that they can be free. Now, they, they hate me. They don't like me. They don't deserve to be free, but I want them to be free because I know the freedom that I experienced. And you put away yourself. And that person that you, you let's, for all intensive purposes, you don't like them very much, right? You're a Christian, but in all reality, you don't like them very much. You have to go up to them and say, look, I know that part of the reason you have this bitterness built up in your heart and part of the reason you have this animosity towards me is because I'm a Christ follower. And I think deep down inside, there's probably something in you that wants to have what I have. And, and, and part of you hates that. Part of you hates the idea of giving that up. Uh, you're giving up yourself in order to follow Jesus. And I get it, but I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you that the freedom you can experience with Jesus Christ is nothing like any freedom you've ever experienced in your life. That's hard, ain't it? That's hard, ain't it? Being a slave also means going to that family member, that friend that's hurt you, that's done all this stuff to you, and going to, to them and say, you know what? I want a relationship with you. I want us to deal with the past if we have to. I want to do whatever it takes so that you and I both can honor God with our lives. That looks painful, don't it? Gut-wrenching. Like, man, I don't want to do that. Yes, I know. That's why we say simple, not easy. It's real, real hard. And it's exactly what Jesus called us to do. And it starts, this is how it starts. This, this is how it's, you remember, you remember what, what Judah did? What did Judah do? He went to his father and said, look, I'll bear the blame. If we don't bring him back to you, I'll, I, I'm taking the responsibility. It started with a verbal commitment to do it. It starts with a verbal commitment to you. To you. When you, you say, God, I'm going to be a slave because you've called me to be Christ-like and I, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Some people feel it necessary to come down here and make that commitment verbally to God and, and just cry out to God in prayer and say, God, I commit myself to doing this because you've called me to. You can do that from your seat. You can do it up here. Whatever you feel comfortable doing. I, I, I'm just saying if God has called you to deal with some stuff, he's called you to be a slave for somebody else. He's called you to deal with some stuff in the, in, in, in the, the skeletons in the closet of your life. He's called you to deal with those things so that, so that you can bring him glory, so that you can experience more freedom by being more of a slave to his will. You have to verbally commit to it first. 
You have to verbally say, yes, Jesus, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. Same thing applies to your salvation, a relationship with Jesus. You have to give up everything so that you can have everything. You give up everything that you have and say, you know what, God, there's nothing good that I bring to the table. All I can do is fall on your, at the foot of your cross and your grace and your mercy and ask. And when you do that in true humility with a broken heart over your sin and true repentance and saying, God, I want to come to you and I want to do what you would have me to do. He says, be free. Some of you have never experienced that freedom. Come today. Ask Jesus. Don't think that you're bringing anything to the table, but just humbly ask him. Say, God, I have nothing, but I believe that that your way is the only way. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the testimony of Joseph. And even though he endured a lot, difficulties, God, through prison and his family hating him and just heartache, even with having to deal with the fact that his brothers came back. God, and now he's even tested his brothers, because you have called him to, in obedience to you, he, he can't even wrap his arms around them yet. Lord, I, I thank you for that kind of commitment that we see evidence of you at work in this family. God, as you do an extreme makeover in the, the house of Jacob. God, I just pray for the families in this place that need an extreme makeover. Maybe there's, there's people in this church family that need an extreme makeover. And, and maybe there's, there's problems or issues between people in this church, God, partners of Simple Church that say, you know what, I've got some issues with somebody in here, and maybe I need to reconcile those. Maybe there's some, some issues that need to be brought out, and you need to deal with those. God, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know you. They don't have, they, when they lay down at night, they know they don't know you. They, they try to pretend, they try to come to church, and they try to make it look good, but they know they don't know you. Lord, maybe, just maybe, God, they would surrender to you today. They would say, yes, God, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a slave so that I can experience real freedom. It's completely backwards from what the world teaches. God, I know that. But it's exactly what you tell us. It's exactly what you show us through your son, Jesus. God, may we surrender now in obedience to you, however you call us. In the holy, precious name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Will everyone please stand?